Hello and welcome to another Quarren stream. I am your host, of course, Joe Magician, and today we'll be talking, we'll be taking things a little bit easier than normal. We'll be taking things a bit slow. Um, as you may know, this past Monday, yeah, Monday, I released my latest video, what is the true plan or real plan? I've changed it a few times. What is the plan of Lady Stoneheart in the Winds of Winter? Uh, apparently you all really, really, really like that video. Uh, it has been my most popular one since Game of Thrones ended. Um, we went way past 19,000 subscribers. We're now up to, it doesn't show you guys the numbers anymore, but I can for my vanity. I can see exactly how many there are. Um, I've got, it's gone up from a little bit over 18,900 to 19,121 as of the second. So thank you, everybody. Um, welcome to the channel if, you've, if you're, this is your first time here. Um, I hope you enjoyed the video. There's a lot of other good ones on there. Uh, hopefully more in the future. <laughs> I mean, I always say I'm trying to do them more frequently, but it's kind of a, um, they're, they're harder to make because finding a thing that makes a good fan theory is not as easy as finding something that makes a good analysis. Fan theories are, I, I think I said this on my Patreon Slack. I said basically that it's like, it's kind of a little bit like panning for gold because it's not there's not good fan theories in every chapter, but there's always good analysis in every chapter. There's always good, um, always interesting things to say about the characters or something that's in a, in a chapter. It's a lot harder to find something that could be described as a fan theory. But that's just me defending myself. <laughs> that's the why why they take so long in between. But yeah, thank you, guys. A uh, lot of a lot of really great comments on that video. All the likes, all the uh, all the sharing and stuff like that. I really appreciate it. Um, Oh, was my video doing okay? The video is fabulous. Thank you. Thank you. Um, you missed the spooky bassoon. Oh, oh bassoon. Yeah. <laughs> Morally says, thank you. Love your updates on garden on Instagram. Yeah. That's, um, that's one of my hobbies that I picked up in the last couple of years. I do gardening right now. We're in the seedling phase, but I want to say thank you to Ramona Zanfir who left a 20 pound super chat before the stream started. Thank you so much, Ramona. And $25 from Maura Lee. Just a show of love and appreciation appreciation for all the fabulous content. Does it show I stayed up late and I drank a bunch of coffee? I think it does. For Lady Stoneheart, may she find peace in the last two books. Ooh, I'm not so sure about that. Um, not so sure about the peace for Lady Stoneheart. Uh, George does not like treating his characters that kindly. And also, uh, I forgot. Thank you very much for Danny McKay. He sent in $5 on PayPal. Thanks a bunch, Danny. Really appreciate it. So yeah, that's, that's kind of yeah, growing strong. If you want to find it on Twitter or on Instagram, I use the hashtag growing strong for all my uh, gardening update stuff. Um, push Stoneheart off a bridge. Well, you may be disappointed with the results of that. I don't think she would die. Hey, Alicia Kingston. How's it going? AK, <laughs> you know, I on Tron, I have tried that before. Um, where there's a way you can just select like a random article on um, the Song of Ice and Fire wiki. And for a while, like just as an experiment, I'm like, could I do this? Could I just like pull up a random article and just like read whatever is in it and like read the corresponding chapters and see if I could make up a fan theory? The answer is no. Um, they're hard to do, especially if you're trying to make new ones um, like I do. Originality is is a lot harder to come up with. Um, <laughs> we find mercy, but probably not peace. Does that mean she'll find Arya? Oh my goodness. <laughs> so yeah, this is a, a Q and a thing. Just throw out your thoughts about the video. I've got a bunch here that I pulled from the YouTube comments. And by the way, behind my head here, we're going to, the giveaway started today. I just pulled it up. Uh, so if you didn't, you weren't there for the last live stream, um, 
for the rest of my video, I'm going to be giving away this baby right here. This is the uh, illustrative edition of A Storm of Swords. That's that's a pretty good thing anyway. The uh, the, the artwork inside is really cool, but the really special thing about this one in particular is that it has a very special signature on the cover. So this is a signed copy of, of Storm of Swords, illustrated edition by George R. R. Martin. So I'm going to post the link in the chat. I'm going to post it everywhere else too. Um, it's the same as the calendar giveaway. It's the same website. So let me go ahead and get that link for you guys. There we go. So very easy to entry. There's just a bunch of things you have to do on it, like follow on Twitter or answer a question. Very simple stuff. A month from today, I'll pull a winner from it and they will get a brand new copy of that book. So uh, again, thank you guys for all the support and all that stuff. Um, I've, I've got my own copy of that book. I bought two of them. <laughs> one of them's mine. I'm going to give away the other one. Turns out you can just go do that. If you go to Beastly Books at the um, John John Cocteau, John Cocteau uh, Cinema at Santa Fe, which is run by George R. R. Martin, they have signed copies of a lot of his books and his friends and fellow authors there. So if this one's sold out, I don't think you can get this one except on eBay at the moment. <laughs> uh, let's see here. So let's let's grab something from the chat here. Let's get going. I'll put, I'll put the link in the in the description too after the video ends. So if you missed that missed that um or you're watching us on replay um you can just go back and grab it uh, miracle draw says could Arya be sent to kill stoneheart not knowing it's her mother by the faceless men or sent to kill a leader of the brotherhood um she definitely it's i mean it's like possible but it's hard to see who would pay the faceless men to do that they there needs to be somebody that would want to take out a contract on lady stoneheart and know she's a person and be in bravos to do it like the obvious person that's out there right now is you have um, the Lannisters and their master of coin. Um, I forget his name exactly, but he's out there to secure funding for the Iron Bank. So I would be surprised if the Lannisters took out a hit on Lady Stoneheart. Um, I think it's much more likely that Arya, if she stays with the Faceless Men too long, that she'd maybe tasked with uh, killing Aegon or killing Danny. Um they 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 offer a much more existential threat to the power bases in Westeros and Essos at the same time. There's a lot of people in the uh, in S is it Harris Swift? I think it's Harris Swift. Um, there's a lot of folks in Essos that are very unhappy with Danny's disruption of the slave trade. Um, young Griff, too. You can imagine why Cersei or um, why Cersei or other people in power in Westeros at the moment would have a real problem with Young Griff and. Maybe think of Faceless Man as the best way to get rid of that prince if they can't beat him for some reason. But Danny, I think, would be top of the list for if if Arya gets a contract going forward, who would it be about? But that doesn't mean that Arya would do it. Like, for instance, there's been a lot of suggestions that Arya will find her way back to the Riverlands, that she'll be the one to put Lady Stoneheart to death in the end as a as she's called in her chapters, Mercy. Uh, she's also called Cat of the Canal. So there's still a lot of little hints in there. That George is not done with the Arya and um, Catelyn plotline. So I, I think I don't really like I didn't really like the, the Bravos plot as it went towards the end with Arya. The whole she fights the Terminator and then gets stabbed and then doesn't die and then just kind of leaves and does her own thing. Um, but I think the part of it that might have kind of the kernel of truth to it is that the I think she will be told to do something by the faceless men and she's going to ignore it. Um, yeah, look out for the faceless men getting a contract out on Danny. I think that's a that's a real possibility coming with the books coming. I mean, with uh, the winds of winter. 
especially from the I mean, any of the free cities could be up to it. Anybody in any of the major powers in Westeros could say the best way to get rid of somebody on a dragon is to hire an assassin. I mean, and that's that's just kind of true. Killing somebody in their sleep is way easier than getting them off their dragon. Um, Alicia Kingston says a lot of folks seem to want Lady Stoneheart to give the kiss of life to John. I don't think that will happen. But what reasons do you think she would have for even going to the wall? So, okay. So this is something that I think is actually heavily influenced by the show. The show included that scene with Catelyn Stark where she's talking to Talisa, uh, Rob's bride that's not Jane Westerling, but is Jane Westerling, but kind of isn't. Um, where there's they have that scene with with Catelyn. And I think a large part of the reason for the scene is they wanted to kind of temper the cat hate, I guess. Like it's John's interaction with uh, Catelyn before he leaves for the wall is understandably one of the one of the things that people criticize Catelyn the hardest for um, when when she hasn't slept for like three days and she and Bran's dying and she says a lot of really hurtful things to John like that is that is one of the premier premier moments for why people don't like her. So the show kind of wrote that um, wrote that scene, I think, in response to that where they have Catelyn talking to Delisa and she essentially says that um, she shows a lot of regret for her treatment of John and how she thinks it's a, a failure of her, of herself and her morality that, um, that she couldn't find it in herself to love a motherless child. I mean, talking about John and how she prayed that the gods would, would essentially save him and, that it's like there's a broken promise idea between herself and John. Uh, so I think that scene has kind of been transposed a little bit into the into the book fandom when that scene does not exist. I mean, uh, Catelyn does express some kind of regret, but in a much, much less um, overt way about um, her treatment of John. She more or less thinks she was justified because bastards are dangerous, which, yes, they are, but also not John's fault. It goes around in circles like that. But anyway, so the idea that that Catelyn owes John, that she broke a promise and that she may go and give him the kiss of life, I think is kind of a theory that's in response to that scene, a scene which doesn't exist in the books. Um, why would she go to the wall? Why would she think that she should give John the kiss of life? I don't think Catelyn would see it that way. She's very um, she's very focused in the books at the moment. Uh, she's trying to find Arya. She's trying to find Sansa, and she's trying to find Rob. Hey, video I made. Uh, yeah, she's very she's very serious at the moment about trying to recover the um, the the frayed parts of her family at the moment. And if Lady Stoneheart has thought about Jon Snow being on the wall at all, there's been no mention of it. Um, it would you would also she would have to get there kind of fast at the moment. She might make it to Winterfell. I think that's definitely in the cards that she may end up going north after um the proposed red wedding 2.0 i don't think she's going to stay in the riverlands but i I don't see a motivation for catelyn wanting to give the kiss of life to john and i don't really see how she would get there so yeah (laughs) there we go the one thing catelyn ever did wrong yeah yeah it's a um i I do think that's kind of a fun meta thing though the the idea that that scene, which I think was a really good scene, honestly, in the show, it added a lot of uh, pathos to or no, not pathos. Is that the right one? There's pathos. God, I can't remember high school English at the moment. Uh, it added a lot of depth to Catelyn's character and her relationship to John that she does feel a, a great deal of guilt over her treatment of the of the kid who didn't deserve it. Um, it's kind of like it's kind of leaked between the two different um, plot lines. But yeah, I, I don't. 
I got a lot of comments to that effect that like, oh, I think it will be John. I think she's going to go find her way and she's going to give the kiss of life to him. If John was closer, if she expressed if she expressed more regret in her life about her treatment of John, if she even knows she's he's dead. I, I don't even think she knows he's dead. It is pathos. Boom. <laughs> Um, there's the three of them. There's Pathos, and then there's two others. I didn't do well in that assignment, to be honest. Uh, thank you for the uh, subscription, Darlene Stein. Unfortunately, I'm sorry, guys. There's a lot of people that want to see uh, Lady Stoneheart bring John back to life. I don't. I don't see how it would. Um, how it would happen, or why it would happen. It's. It's a cool idea. <laughs> like that would certainly be a reversal on the earlier scene where she said she wished, I think she said she wished John was dead instead of Bran basically. But, um, that's been so long ago. Melisandre seems to be the best candidate for who's going to give that ethos and logos. Ah, there we go. Thank you very much. Anders. Um, no, 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 no says, why would she be alive? If she revives Rob, only Thoros has been shown to stay alive when giving it. Beric died. Um, so, so there are folks that think that, instead of bringing back Rob, like I suggested, that her kiss of life will be given to John instead. Um, I don't understand why Beric died and Thoros did not. Um, maybe it's a thing that Firewhites only have the ability to give one kiss of life before they're dead. Uh, we talked about this in the Beric Dondarian stream last week. It's there. George has some rules in mind for this that he has not told us. Um, so I, I'm guessing there's a twist in there somewhere. Like there is no hint from Thoros and Barrack's example that it would kill Barrack to do it himself. That was a surprise. It was much as much of a surprise as um the shadow baby. There's there's fancy mechanics he's holding back in his head, clearly for a dramatic effect. <laughs> Chad is wicked smart. Yeah, I agree, Alicia. I I don't see why she would go near the wall. I don't know why even if she was near the wall, I don't even know why she would do it. Um, I don't. I, she does not feel that strongly about John. Oh, super. Another super chat here for Morley, uh, $25. If Lady Stoneheart tries to give the kiff, the kiss of life to her son, Rob, what would that look like for Rob? Uh, will he be like the mountain with no head? His head, his dire will said. So this was another uh, thing people brought up a lot that I, um, they were like, aha, he had his head cut off. That It can't happen. I'm like, uh, okay. So Frankenstein's a thing. Um, obviously. And there's the idea that the, um, the fire whites are not alive. George has been very clear on that. They are not biologically functioning. They don't have blood pumping through their veins. They don't have to breathe. They don't have to eat. They are essentially like, uh, biological robots at this point. They just work like literally by magic. So the idea that because Rob's head has been cut off, that he couldn't be brought back to life. I mean, the point of Catelyn and Thor and Beric is that they are existing despite having fatal wounds. So a fatal wound across the neck, I don't I don't think that's a that big of a problem. Um, but yeah, if you wanted to resurrect him, you would probably have to join the head and the body back together. Um, maybe you could sew it back on like a Frankenstein kind of thing. Um, there's been also like in the super chat, Morley says there's been suggestions that the mountain has been head swapped. Like a lot of people have taken this is actually another popular theory about what happened to Rob's body. There's people that think that underneath uh, Robert Strong's helmet is Rob Stark's head and that they did send Gregor Clegane's head down to the, the Dorn um, or the other suggestion here. His dire will said, I think you could probably just sew them back together. Um, I'm going to guess that we probably won't see Grey Wind's body if we if we if the phrase have held on to anything. I think it would just be Rob. I don't think they would have held on to. Um, 
hold on to Grey Wind in any way. Like, but I think it's possible that Rob's body is sitting somewhere and his head is somewhere else, and they would just have to essentially just join them and then use the kiss of life. Because that's the point. Like the kiss of life, what it does is it essentially it doesn't bring you back to life as you are. It brings you back to life in this like weird magical way where your your wounds are ignored, basically. Like I went through this with uh, Barrack last week, but like he's got a massive like like uh, crater in his head from when he got hit with a mace. He's missing an eye. He still has the wound from when the mace went through him. Sandor basically cut him in half and he just has like this giant scar up his body. Like these are basically not OK for being alive. But but Barrack is anyway. So it's like it's it's undeath, but not real life. So I don't think it would be that big of a um a leap to go from the injuries that we've seen to Catelyn and Barrick and say, well, yeah, just sew Rob's head back on, bring him back to life. That would be my guess for how it would happen. But there's also very much the possibility, like the uh the idea from the whispers and a nimble dick crab that maybe it is just his head. Um that like <laughs> just Rob's head sitting there, his body's gone, you can't find it. Um and maybe that could come back to life. Um or on life, I guess, on death. I, I think that's I think that's really in the cards. I don't think that's uh, quite as off the table as some like to say. But anyway, uh, thank you very much for the super chat, Morley. Very, very generous of you. Appreciate it. Um, Five dollars from the Delphi Morphia. Why isn't why won't Lady Stoneheart uh, sew up her throat? Isn't it inconvenient to live with that hole and to hold her neck to speak? Um, I imagine that Stoneheart. Well, I think the problem is it's more than just the skin. It's like her her windpipe has been severed. I don't know if you guys ever did dissections and stuff in in school, but your windpipe is not just skin. Your windpipe has like cartilage and bone. No, no, it's not bone, but it's very hard and um, you can't. It's really hard to just sew that back together. Um, so yeah, you could close the skin. I'm not sure if you could fix the damage to the windpipe, but why hasn't she fixed it? Well, I imagine George hasn't fixed it for her because it's, um, I think it adds to the dramatic effect perhaps, um, that she still has the wound. She still has the claw marks down her face. So yeah, I would, I, that's, that's my, that's my thought that like, maybe it's not that easy to correct the whole in her, the, the entire slashing of her throat thing. But possibly that George just doesn't want to fix it because he likes the effect that she can't speak anymore and that she just has this gaping hole in her neck as a reminder of what happened to her. Um, Aaron M says, does this mean Rob couldn't turn his head since his neck muscles are severed? So this is one of those things where um, I don't think just dropped my headphones uh, where if you get really into the nitty gritty of like how your body moves and like how the biological functions work for like the for this to happen. If you try and think about it in terms of George's use of fire whites and zombies in general, it really doesn't work. Um, like I think George's he's not biologically alive is meant to essentially go like just don't think about it too hard. Like the, his organs just aren't working anymore. That's that's kind of what it means. But in terms, if you wanted to give like an in-universe reason for why they don't work, um, for why it would work, I mean, if you were brought back from the dead as a fire white, there is the example from his story, Night Flyers, where, spoiler alert, there are sci-fi psychic zombies in that, where essentially a powerful psychic force moves corpses by using their brain powers to essentially pick them up and move them one after another, regardless of the, the state of the body. 
Um, but I mean, we also have the in-universe example of that hand, the hand that Alistair Thorne had that he brought down to King's Landing, where um, that was like basically just like a skeletal hand. I think there was like very little musculature. It wasn't connected to anything, but it just kind of kept moving for quite a long time separated from the body. So, I mean, if you want a perfect example of George demonstrating that in his world, um, it doesn't really matter the biomechanics that he just wants it to work. I think that's actually, that's probably the best way to say it. He just wants it to work. So it does. Um, so I don't think if Rob came back, he would have a huge problem moving if George doesn't want him to. <clears throat> yeah. She was cut to the bone. Yeah. So that, that's a hard one to fix. Um, I hope that answered your, the, the question kind of, um, it's kind of like, how does how does working work? Like, what does that mean? If you really try and dig into that, like, I don't th- that's not I've tried. It's not a really rewarding mental process. It just gets confusing real fast. And you realize George just wants it to happen. So he's going to make it happen. So why can fire whites move despite the fact that they have no blood that's bringing oxygen to their um, to their muscles, which allows them to twitch in a specific way to move them? It works. Yeah, it exactly. <laughs> it works because magic. That's why. Um, oh, Rob's not coming back. Damn, that sucks. Well, I guess that video's done for. <laughs> Shit, bummer. Um, <laughs> I, I wish you had told me that before I made the video. Super chat here from uh, Croy Venazi, five dollars. Thank you very much. Uh, so, do you think we'll see a wild warging <laughs> King Rob at the second Red Wedding, like Rhaegar Frey lies about in the Murdens' court? That would be some really interesting foreshadowing. If what the phrase say. If their lies about Rob came true, wouldn't that be really cool if George did that? Um, if George made that a foreshadowing for Rob actually coming back and attacking a second Red Wedding, like that would be a really clever hint for that to come. That would really um, that would really slip under the radar for a lot of things, because um, like a lot of the things I pointed out in my video were like things that I, I had completely missed when I read the first time, like the she wants her son alive or she wants everyone at the that. Uh, killed him dead basically it was like you read that and you go well okay so that means stoneheart's gonna kill everyone but it's like wait 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 wait. she's undead (laughs) she's undead by a process that brought her back to life and barrack back to life six times so like why is that impossible well it's impossible if you're in denial about what stoneheart is like len kind of is yeah i think that's a great that's a great call uh quite if if it happens that would be really interesting if you look back at that uh, paragraph and that whole thing that the phrase are saying and bring it forwards and compare it to Rob at the Red Wedding. That'd be really interesting. Um, <laughs> this Flamingo so zombie boners is a, is a possibility. Actually, in the Satron Chat before we went live, uh, Sue the Fury, <laughs> she said the same thing. She said, Will uncat and, unbu- and unrob bone? Basically, asking the same question Can fire whites have sex? <laughs> the unboner. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so um i think the answer is if george wants them to then yes i mean the the biomechanics of how an erection happens is basically the muscles tense and it gets flooded with blood their blood doesn't flow but then again their muscles move anyway and you need blood flow to do that so like sure <laughs> if you want if you really wanted to get really silly about it and if you use the example from night flyers you could be like Using your telepathic abilities to, to make it to make it get erect. Uh, George would love this conversation. <laughs> um, long story short, if George wants their their uh, their downstairs business to work, if they want if he wants their uh, light bringers to 
to catch on fire he'll make it happen i think the i don't think it would be particularly um like against the rest of it anyway oh five dollar super chat from uh anime lover nicole or five pounds i'm sorry oh no five euros that's euros five euros uh how do you think john and theon would react on seeing quartz king rob that was actually a question i got from uh fodder for foreshadowing uh on the youtube uh comments where similar kind of question fodder for foreshadowing said in the end credits you have a picture of alfie allen i to be honest i just put in pictures of john winking and um alfie allen because um one of my favorite like um i'm not even sure what kind of youtubers anymore but spiffing brit he loves using those kind of um those kind of reaction images in all of his videos so i was um <laughs> so i was kind of copying that but that's why i use alfie allen but anyway uh what the fuck is theon going to do if rob comes back from the dead he has to deal with him face to face that would be one of the plot lines that would be really interesting if rob came back and continue to be a character into the winds of winter and maybe a dream of spring there's a lot of kind of unfinished business for rob stark with the with theon with lady stoneheart with the phrase his will um would he try and take back winterfell what would happen with jane westerling like the ideas kind of rippling out from him coming back open up a lot of really interesting narrative uh possibilities oh there she is Sue Miller, susan miller Sue the fury meat house man germ yep he wrote meat house man he wrote that story so yeah <laughs> chaz perfectly balanced with no exploits yeah um spiffing actually if you've been wondering why i've been putting on a lot of um holes on my channel that was because of spiffing brit um with his video about how they're how they are weirdly used in youtube anyway um <laughs> i actually started watching spiffing brit because of his videos on uh, crusader kings he had a lot of like exploit videos and like very basic how to abuse the game mechanics things which is actually i didn't use all of them but it was um he did have some influence on my gameplay. Uh, super chat here from the Happy Masquerader, $5. Thank you very, very much. Uh, the fact that neither Catelyn, Beric, or Patchface has black hands implies to me that only Ice Whites lack proper blood flow so John can fuck. Um, I think, no, I think the quote about Beric from George is specifically saying that blood no longer pumps in his veins. So I don't think it's just a cold hand things. It's an interview George gave a couple of years ago where he talks specifically about Beric Dondarrion and what is his current status and how fire whites works. Oh yeah. Um, but thank you for the super chat. Oh yeah. Slam that like button 115 right now. Wow. You guys did that without me doing anything. There you go. I'll get up to 150. I got my, uh, got my wizard hat ready to go right here. Uh, 175 got my germ hat and 200. Um, if we get to 200, we'll figure it out when we get there. <laughs> we already did the, uh, the giveaway thing. Oh yeah. By the way, giveaway thing. Let me just go ahead and link that again in the chat. Let me go in and uh, pin that one so you can guys can find it. Work, damn you. I don't know why YouTube Studio is so bad about this. Like, I just tried to do basic things in it, like just pin a comment. It just doesn't work. Uh, could one of the mods just grab that, the uh, Gleam link I just put in the chat and um, and just pin that one for me? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I would really like to see the interactions between Theon and, um, and, and resurrected Rob Stark. Like the betrayal that um rob probably feels towards theon well we know he feels towards theon what would he do if he came across him now in the state he's in where theon has been tortured and he's been broken like would that be something they would bond over or would that be something that um rob would think well we haven't gone far enough on you 
Um, nobody likes the sudden meat house man, so he loves that story. Seriously, go read um, uh, Dream Songs and read his introduction in Meat House Man. He thinks that story is awesome, and it is just not. And actually, now that I think about it, that's one of the themes in Theon's uh, arc in the in the in Dance with Dragons. He thinks a lot about the the ghosts in Winterfell and everyone he's betrayed, specifically Rob, but the um, Bran and Rickon and as well. It's like having his ghost literally come back to face him. That would be something. <laughs> um, did Matt say what is in the giveaway? So the giveaway, uh, Amy Blackfire. Also, hey Amy, is this copy of uh, a Storm of Swords Illustrated Edition? signed by george r. r martin so that is the that is the giveaway it's kind of tough to see the i could knock down the dire wolves and just push it over but i think you guys would get mad at me for slapping them on the floor <laughs> yeah it was like reading Gurm's mental breakdown yes it was he really he really loves resurrecting characters he absolutely loves it that is one of his favorite things to do in characters and he loves doing it in ways you don't expect he loves using resurrection as a mechanic just like all the time, any way, any way he can, any context, he's going to find a way to bring a character back to life, but usually in some kind of cursed way. Um, so let's grab a uh, question from patrons. Uh, Guilty Undertaker on Patreon. This was uh, their question. They said, Barrick and Stoneheart are often referred to as zombies. But do you think George might be drawing inspiration from ghosts as well? Barrick dies before he completes his task of bringing the ghost to <clears throat> the mountain to justice. So he continues even after death, making him similar to unfinished business style ghosts. Ah, yeah, Casper. Love the Casper. Um, meanwhile, Stoneheart is more of a vengeful ghost, unable to rest until she avenges her death and the deaths of so many people that she loved. Um, I think he's definitely drawing on the idea of unfinished business with these characters. Stoneheart is literally all about unfinished business. The quote from Lem makes it clear that she thinks her purpose in life is now to avenge the Red Wedding and kill everyone that has to do with it. Um, I, that is actually one of the things that I find most confusing about Stoneheart and the Winds of Winter going forward is because what happens after she gets her revenge? Does it just keep expanding? Is there, is there like a mission creep where she doesn't just go after everyone that involved with the Red Wedding? Does she now start going after everyone tertial, like um, tangentially involved? Like, does she think that um, like Tommen has to brought, be brought to account because, you know, he's a Lannister? Like, does it just keep going that way or is there an end point to it? Um, bring Bra back is kind of my attempt at saying that part of her unfinished business and something that would serve as kind of an end point to her story would be resurrecting Rob. Um, she's definitely trying to find Arya. She's trying to find Sansa. But um, so much of her story is specifically tied up in Rob that um, that I think that that especially in her mind. Because there's something that I was thinking about when I was rereading that chapter. And it's the one with Brienne when she's playing with the 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 crown. And it's specifically she's like toying with it. it and it's kind of like the sort of thing you see people do when they're thinking very hard about something. Like she's developing a plan at that moment. Um, so I think it has crossed her mind ever since she found the crown and talked to Ryman Frey or tortured Ryman Frey before before she killed him. That she's, it's been on her mind, could she do this? And I think with capturing Brienne, getting the crown back, learning stuff from Ryman Frey, knowing about the red, the uh, wedding that's upcoming between the Freys and the Lannisters, that it's really on her mind that this is something she could pull off. Um, especially, she's keeping Thoros around. So clearly, she's also asking him about like the nature of her on death, what Beric did. How it works from Thoros's perspective. I don't think that's a um I don't think it's a, a particularly 
like controversial thing that as an undead character, she would want to explore what that means for her and what she can do with it, considering Barrack brought her back. Like that was one of those things that like just like really struck me as like a super obvious conclusion. It's like, well, why wouldn't she if Bear can do it? It must have crossed her mind that she thinks she might be able to do it, too. So, um, so you know, Barrack, uh, you make a good point too, Guilty Undertaker about the idea you're talking about how the mountain to justice. But then Barrack's mission changed from being about the mountain to being about a general defense of the small folk in the Riverlands and kind of like a barrier between the nobility and their war and the common folk. So there should be a similar kind of escalation for Stoneheart, I think. But um, actually, Justine Harper in the chat. Also, uh, um, I saw that this is your first time making a, a stream. Welcome, Justine Harper. Uh, Rob is 100% her favorite child. I don't know if he is. I think Bran's her favorite child. But she definitely spends most of her arc dealing with Rob. So the um, the connection between them, I think, is an important thing that George can exploit going forwards. But good question. <laughs> um, uh, also a question from uh, Patreon. Uh, Eric F. He said, did Bloodraven send that dream to John? So if you remember from the video, I talked about about 15 minutes in. There was a one of the foreshadowings for Rob coming back was the John's dream on the wall with him in the black ice armor with his flaming sword. And he's fighting all the zombies and stuff like that. And he's killing all these uh, people that he knows from the wall um, and Egret and stuff like that. And then at the last second, the last person to come up is Rob and Rob and John takes his head off. Um, oh, thank you for the follow the pop culture manifesto. Um, so that dream to John, that's a really cool. That's a really interesting one because I believe Bloodraven does wake him up from it. Um, is that one of the ones where the crow starts like hopping on his chest or something like that? Um, it might be that happens quite a lot. So did Bloodraven send it to him? Um, if I remember right, there's no obvious raven in that dream it is just a dream that john is having but um this is one thing that i've been i've thought about quite a lot and the idea uh, with all my explorations of dragon dreams and targaryens and their relationship to prophecy um would it be that strange if john got prophetic dreams as well and oh the crow does land on his chest okay so i that seems like one of the ones that blood raven wakes him up from not the one probably not one that he sent but it still could be kind of like a magical prophetic dream, dream something like Daron the Drunkard or something like um, John the Fiddler, Danis the Dreamer. I mean, we know Daenerys probably gets these two. Um, wouldn't it be that strange for a child of the Starks and the Targaryens to have them? I don't I don't think so. I think that's one way to have a reexamination of John's plot. If um, other than, you know, just looking at him as a character and going through the analysis and stuff like that, like really take a look at these dreams and see if they are possibly prophetic in some way. If they are, then um, the idea that John sees Rob is undead and on the side of the others, that could be something very interesting if this theory comes true. It'd be one of those things you could definitely look back on and be like, oh, like that's that connects to this. Oh, that's really clever. That's one of the one's one of the best thing about George's writer. He often um, his twists makes sense in retrospect but they're very hard to predict ahead of time um so uh guilty undertaker says this, so blood raven knows he's dreaming if he doesn't send the dream yes i think it's definitely a thing when john is in a uh, ghost blood raven interrupts quite a lot of those dreams um from the raven basically so i think it's clear that blood raven is aware that john is having some kind of magical dreams maybe beyond what he's having with ghost um 
But that would be interesting. I don't know if anybody's done an analysis of John's dreams in that particular way. I've done them from the wolf dream side, but I don't know about the prophetic side. That would be something interesting to see. Um, do you think Blood Raven is the free eyed crow? Yes, he is. Um, Raven is the free eyed crow. It's like, I hate that theory. It's it's just like, anyway, it doesn't matter. I just don't like that one. 147 likes. Oh, we're almost there. 191 watching. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Glad you're enjoying your Saturday here. Um, let's grab another question. <laughs> Uh, Kajani Golkosh says, if Stoneheart kisses someone who is alive, do they get a one up? That'd be kind of funny. What happens if a fire, if somebody tries to give you the last kiss while you're alive? I imagine it would suck because I think the description from Thoros is that you essentially breathe fire into their lungs. That would hurt. Um, that would hurt a lot. <laughs> I imagine it would not go well. <laughs> um, so let's see your question from the YouTube comments from uh, Ramona Zamfir. She says, uh, phrase keeping Rob's body as a trophy is a great catch. Thank you. Um, I would see Walter displaying it as a great event, as such as the Lannister wedding, to serve them as a cautionary tale. Yeah, I think the I think it's very possible if he has it, he would um, he would definitely use it at the Lannister wedding. Um, he's very proud of what he did. It actually, and then Ramona goes on to say, it actually reminds me of um, Don Ferrante of Naples. We used to mummify his dead enemies, dress them nicely and expose their bodies at dinner so people would think twice to betray him. I've never heard of this uh, Don Ferrante of Naples, but I am not shocked that that's a thing. And um, I think that's I think that's a really if that's what happens, that's a great catch for like um, some kind of for maybe a historical example of why Walter would have it. Um, I don't know if George is aware of that story because there's a, oh, we, oh, I'm sorry. We passed 150 likes. Thank you guys for slamming that MF and like button. Um, let me sit up. So let's see here let's sit forward. So it doesn't hit the, there we go. There we go. Wizard hat time. I really should wear this while gardening. Is this is everyone will think I'm a dork, but I am a dork. Was that, that the problem? Also, I want to say thank you to, uh, Joanne Evans for the $10, uh, for the super sticker with the pair saying thank you. Um, very generous. Appreciate it, Joanne. But yeah, I think that's a, I think it's a really cool catch. I also know that there's a particular story of a pope that was put on trial after his death that they dug up his body <laughs> on trial. Um, and I mean, George has already hinted at the idea that Rob <clears throat> that Rob's corpse will be used as a um, as a prop for the royalty. I mean, that's literally what Joffrey wanted to do. He wanted to put Rob's head basically on a plate in front of Sansa at, at a wedding. So the, I don't think that's a that's not a big leap to go from that being an example to I mean, that's being foreshadowed to what Walter literally does. He's very proud of what he did to Rob and he wants to show off. Um, but he wants to show off for the Lannisters because essentially he's the weird thing about the phrase is that he's proud of it, but they're not bragging that they broke guest right to everybody they're framing it as in turn the yeah the cadaver synod of pope the trial of pope uh for Moses. yeah that was a weird one the cadaver synod go look that one up if you want a fun afternoon literally a dead pope was put on trial for his crimes and convicted and then re-executed yikes um oliver cromwell's hung two years after his death there you go people love punishing the already dead they'll think i'm a wizard they would be right um, yeah, George loves that kind of shit. Um, so I would not be shocked if that's what's going on. I kind of want to look up this Don Fronte of Naples, but I also don't because I imagine those are going to be some pretty gruesome. Um, well, it's probably not going to be pictures. I don't know. How long ago is that? Uh, Justine Harper says, what do you think about the theory that Rob's head is on Robert Strong's body? I don't think it's actually this is a question that came up from uh, from YouTube comments. Uh, let me see if I can find it. I definitely put this in here somewhere. Um Oh, this is from William Dempsey on YouTube. 
Um, if Clegane's head was sent to Dorne, could Rob Stark's head be on Sir Robert Strong? Does it say when you're in the text that Rob's head was not sent to King's Landing? Um, so this is basic. The theory goes that Gregor Clegane's head was supposedly sent to Dorne as payment for Elia's death, basically, after um, after Oberyn's trial by combat. And there's a there's people that suggest specifically the Sand Snakes. You say, like, well, it's a big head. I mean, I guess it could be Gregor's, but we don't really know. That's kind of the problem with being sent a skull. Like it's literally a skull. They don't, there's no, um, no flesh left on it when they send it down. And that's part of the thing that makes the sand snakes and Doran kind of skeptical of it. They're like, well, they could have sent it. They could have tarred it. They could have like, they could have preserved it in some way and sent it. They didn't need to send a, a skull to try and prove this is Gregor. Like it's basically just the size that make that is the proof that it is that. Um, so there's been a suggestion that perhaps that it was not Gregor's head. It got sent down to Dorne. Um, there's, I forget who wrote this theory. I saw it a while back on Reddit, but I thought it was a really good catch that basically uh, Cersei has been having an ongoing bounty on dwarfs in Westeros. So quite a lot of them have been killed and had their heads or bodies sent to Cersei. Uh, I think this actually shows up in the show too. Um, essentially trying to claim the bounty saying this is Tyrion. And one of the uh, one of the heads that gets sent to her is a a dwarf that has an unusually large head. And the suggestion is that they sent since Cersei just has a lot of weird heads laying around at the moment, that that's what got sent down to um, the Dorn and that Robert Strong has not actually lost his. <laughs> You're watching this with your nine year month old son. Uh, sorry about the talk about uh, boners, undead boners. Uh Luckily, not old enough to understand the context. So, hello. Uh, there's been suggestions that Robert Strong doesn't have a head. I think he probably does. And it's probably still uh, Gregor Clegane. So that's that's what I think. Um, as to if the head was ever sent to King's Landing, we have Cersei's perspective. We have Kyburn. I think if they did get sent Rob's head, we would know about it because that would be something that would come to the attention of Cersei. And she doesn't mention it, so I don't think they have it. <laughs> They could have sent it in a jar. Yeah, they could have done that. Like uh, Stannis' sons from the show. Oh, that was such a creepy scene. The kids in the jars. Is viewer discretion advised? Yes. Yes, it is. Um, let's grab another question here. Uh, what's the PayPal? Oh, uh, hang on a second. It's uh, here we go. Amira Cheeks. That is my PayPal. I was I usually try and put it as a as a pin comment, but I just kind of forget to do it sometimes. Like today, like literally right now, I forgot to do it. Um. You want Rob back with the wolf head? That is another popular option um, that a lot of folks think that um, it'd be really interesting if it's Grey Wind plus Rob that comes back from the dead. But that the suggestion being that um, Rob was at a second life in Grey Wind before he died. So if you resurrect Grey Wind, maybe you'd actually be resurrecting Rob, but through Grey Wind's body. That would be a really messed up image, though, because it would be. The Rob's body with Grey Wind's head walking around. Um, and that but that is literally the image we get from the House of the Undying. So perhaps. <clears throat> what happened to Lady Stokeworth? Um, I'm pretty sure that Tyburn lobotomized her or like poked around in her brain or something like that. I think that's the suggestion that he did like experimental surgery on her brain because I think she says uh Kyburn says something along the lines of like she's not able to speak or um something like that. Very gruesome. Kyburn's a, sh a shitty shitty person. Um there she does get a lot ahead. That's what's up. Uh... <laughs> Actually, this came up. I forget who I was talking to about this. 
I think it might, might have been a YouTube comment, but there was a suggestion that if Rob comes back from the dead, like, isn't he just so gruesome at this point? Wouldn't he be basically bones? There wouldn't be nothing left. And yes, that is true. It has been quite a while since Rob died. Um, so like what would be left? Wouldn't he look like wait like Stoneheart barely passes the eye test? Like, I don't even think she does. She wears that massive hood over her head all the times so that when she sees people, they don't know what she is. But I think there's um there's a from Kingdom of Heaven, there's a particular king. Hang on a second. The movie Kingdom of Heaven, King Baldwin. Um, he has leprosy, I believe. So he spends most he spends the entirety of the movie behind essentially a metal mask so that nobody could see him um, and nobody could see what happened to him. Uh, if Rob comes back from the dead, I wouldn't be shocked if that's what happens to him. Like if he would not want to advertise that he is basically like a ridiculous, he is a, a corpse that has been largely um, largely rotted at this point that he would probably put on like a mask of some kind so that people couldn't see what he was at this point. Um, so kind of like Sir, like King Baldwin, that's a that's a thing that people used to do. Uh, the royalty, they would wear um, iron masks or different kind of masks when they got disfigured at court and stuff, that kind of thing. And that could be especially like brutal. Like there's been this suggestion. There's a weird thing going around throughout the Riverlands where everyone keeps looking for Sander Clegane because his wolf um, helm has been stolen and it's just it's been used i think by rorge at this point and i believe it's been recovered by the brother without banners i think lem is wearing it now and what if rob essentially had a actually that'd be kind of huh they're they're actually sandor's helm what if they gave an undead rob sandor's helm he does it's i wish i had thought of that for the video <laughs> oh that would be that would work really well the Brotherhood has a dog slash wolf helm that covers your face. Rob would need one, probably, if he wanted to be functional in any way uh, without people going like, holy shit, you're an undead corpse. Ah, I like that. That's a good idea. Um, <laughs> good idea, me. Rob Vader. Yeah. Instead of Rob Zombie, Rob Vader. Um, uh, artist Aaron says, is Edric Dane still with the Brotherhood without banners? No. The Brotherhood after Stoneheart's resurrection has split. And quite a lot of them left uh, the Brotherhood. It's unclear where Edric Dane is. I've suggested he's on his way back to Starfall because that's his home. And he's been maybe too far in the Riverlands at this point. He's like, all right, well, I'm just going to head home. But um, there is a splinter Brotherhood without banners out there. Um, who has the helm just now? Lem Lemoncloak. Um, the hound just keeps coming back. But instead, it's Rob and becomes the wolf. That'd be that'd be really cool. Um, and actually, that, that's, that's the thing that happened in the um it happened in danny's story um the butcher king where they essentially put a corpse on a on a horse and pretend he was still alive um so hmm uh hello cronks just recommended the stream are you in a song of ice and fire channel a little bit <laughs> uh uh the zeotian you said that Walter is proud of killing ron wants to show off and off which wouldn't be a possibility you preserve the body as much as possible Saw it in the Stoneheart video. Yes, absolutely. I think that um, old Walder would go out is probably going out of his way to make sure that he keeps his quote unquote um, wolf's pelt, a.k.a. Rob. He's that's like that's one thing about the phrase is they don't have a lot of like um, trophies of the vanquish or anything like that. And Rob is literally that. Oh, we got to 180 likes. Look at you people slamming that MF and like button. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hurdle hat time. <clears throat> Cleon? Is it Cleon the Butcher King? I think that's his name. Um, <clears throat> what did I think of Game of Thrones Season 8? Oh, 
We're doing this today. We're going to make everybody mad at me. Uh, I made a video reviewing it um, at the end of it where I basically said I thought it was good. I didn't think it was great. I didn't think it was fantastic. I didn't also didn't think it was horrible. Um, you know, it was uh, like a B minus C plus kind of thing. There are parts to like. There are part not parts not to like. Um, I didn't particularly hate the ending as much as other people did. I wish there was more detail and they they did move through things probably too fast in some places. And, um, you know, it could, if they put in more detail, I think it would have been better. But I mean, that's how it goes. I was entertained. I thought it was pretty good, but, you know, not the best. I think that's one of those things about season eight, because I guess we're just going to we're just going to talk about this real quickly right now. There's a perception that if you didn't absolutely hate it, then you loved it. It's like the best thing you've ever seen. And it was just like, um, no, it, it was it's not my favorite Game of Thrones season, like not even close. Um, it's probably in the bottom third. But the best, but the worst Game of Thrones season I've ever seen is like a lot better than a lot of other TV I've watched. So that's how it goes. <laughs> I don't get I don't get really worked up out about it. But um, sorry, I, I kind of I kind of resist the um, the team aspect of it. Hate it. I didn't hate it. <laughs> anyway, back to uh, actually, that's kind of funny. Uh, Sue brought this up before this, the stream started. Today is the 10th anniversary of Game of Thrones. I think going to air the first episode went live a year ago today. And it's kind of funny to think about that for the 10th anniversary of Game of Thrones. I am talking about maybe the thing that's the most famous in the fandom for being cut. And that's uh, that's Catelyn Stark. I mean, a Lady Stoneheart. <laughs> so thanks. H You're welcome, HBO, for Iron Anniversary. <laughs> I'm talking about the things that one of the things that is the most criticized for being left out of the TV show. I'm really endearing myself to the HBO PR staff right now because, you know, they care about me. Um, uh, I got a five dollar super chat for book club dues balanced in. Uh, oh, this is from Amira. OK, you're, OK, I see what it is. Thank you very much for the donation for the book club dues. I don't really do a, a book club. I'm doing a very strange reread, which is the things I find personally interesting. Um, <laughs> I know I got to catch my HBO checks. Actually, if you want proof I'm not an HBO show, you know, those little packages that everyone got. I didn't get one. They don't even know who the hell I am. So <laughs> they are not aware of Joe Magician and his channel. So if I'm shilling, I am shilling for nothing. No, they don't care about me. They don't even know I exist. The only person in the HBO universe that has acknowledged me is Sophie Turner when she retweeted uh, a thread I made about Brienne during season eight. That was that's been about that's been the high point. I think Brian Cogman likes a few tweets of mine. And that was it. Um, but that, I think that's a, that's a good point about the winds of winter and lady Stoneheart is that there, when they cut Stoneheart, they really didn't know what to do about what to do with that whole, right. What to do with the whole left behind by her story, because it's supposed to take up not only Brienne and Jamie, but it's supposed to inform what's going on with the phrase or what's going on with the Riverlands, the brotherhood without banners. And they just kind of, um, they didn't they didn't they removed her and didn't know what to replace it with because they sent da Jamie to Dorne for that crazy plot to bring back Marcella. Uh, they had Brienne go to Winterfell and she essentially just didn't do anything. Um, and in terms of the phrase, they basically just disappeared until uh, Jamie went to bring back River Run and then Arya essentially Red Wedding 2.0 them. So if you're looking for something that has probably not been spoiled in any way by HBO, um, Stoneheart story and where it's going in the in the um, in the future is very much so um, fertile ground 
and who knows what George is going to do it. Um, he it's an it's basically a blank slate for him. So along with Aegon in the river or young Griffin, the Riverlands and John Connington, those two plot lines have the most open space, basically. So that's been um, that's something that's particularly interesting to me. Uh, we did get the awesome fight between Brienne and Sanderford. That was an awesome fight. That was pretty good. Um, I think that's one of the things about it's one of the cool things about bringing back uh, Rob Stark. It's that it's something the show would never do because the reason they cut Stoneheart is um, the explanation from Dan and Dave is that they didn't want to essentially overwhelm the audience with resurrection. They wanted John's resurrection to be more of a surprise and more meaningful. But that's George's doesn't feel the same way about resurrection in his story at all. He is using resurrection almost constantly, like metaphorical ones, um, like real ones, the whites, Danny, and like a metaphorical rebirth would kind of be Danny and the pyre. Um, Beyond has had a metaphorical rebirth coming back from Reek to himself. It's like it is constant. So George is very much less concerned about spoiling the surprise of Jon Snow. Um, so, yeah, their I, their logic for the show, I think, makes some sense. But I don't think it, I don't think it makes sense for George. He has no problem with um, with using resurrection early and often and a lot more in the future in the books. Um, let's see here. Actually getting retweeted by Sophie Turner. Yeah, that was fucking wild. Uh, so she retweeted that thing. And then all of a sudden, my phone in my hand, like, got incredibly hot. Like, it was, like, on fire. I thought it was, like, about to explode. And I looked at why. And it was because my phone, um, I don't have, I have push notifications on Twitter, like most people. But I suddenly had the experience of what it's like when your phone tries to deal with all the push notifications of trying, of being someone as famous as Sophie Turner. And it basically almost made my phone melt. I had to mute everything. I had to turn it off. And I was just like, holy shit, this is a lot of traffic. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what it's like when uh, when Sophie Turner notices you, your phone almost melts. <laughs> Actually, and then people on Slack start mentioning me like, hey, Matt, um, you just got retweeted by, by Sansa Stark. I'm like, oh, OK, this can be a weird night, isn't it? <laughs> and it was. I think that tweet is something like 65,000 likes or something at this point. I don't know. I haven't checked on it in a while. Um, Neil Luddite, if anyone knows about that Naples dude, will probably hear him. Yeah, I bet he would. Um, he very much loves those kind of stories. Like the Red Wedding itself was inspired by the Black Wedding from Scottish history. So it seems that he has a very acute knowledge for really gruesome things uh, done by lords. Um, ah, oh, here's one from uh, the YouTube comments. Uh, Leia Lemieux said, uh, one is also reminded of Melisandre's flame visions. A boy with the head of a wolf threw back his head and howled. We assume it is a metaphorical brand she sees, but it could be a little Rob Sedge gray one. And uh, that was one of the really cool things, seeing all the comments that have been coming in on the uh, the Stoneheart video, is that people started suggesting other bits of foreshadowing that I didn't catch or that I overlooked. Um, so the what Leah is talking about is she asked for a view of the enemy, basically in the flames and she sees a vision of blood raven um and then sees what most people think is bran it's a boy uh with uh with the head of a wolf and that seems to be uh, the two of them are so interconnected at this point that it makes the most sense that that is obviously supposed to be bran but um it doesn't mean it couldn't be reused by george for another purpose like for instance the ghost of high heart saw rob stark i mean uh stark lady stoneheart coming well in advance 
Um, also, Daenerys in the House of the Undying saw the Red Wedding coming long in advance. So is it? it's not impossible that if there is a zombie Rob out there, Rob Zombie coming back in the future, that um, that there will be subtle hints that make sense in retrospect. Like, I think one of the best examples for that kind of thing is from the the mystery night when um when John the Fiddler, Damon the second Blackfire, I think it is, um, where he thinks the egg hatching and Dunk being in the King's Guard is about him, that he's about to become king, the egg's gonna hatch. But then Blood Raven in the sort of the almost the epilogue of the story, um, essentially corrects it and says, like, oh no, the egg hatching was not literal it was metaphorical it meant you little Aegon. you were a dragon egg that was hatching today um and the idea that dunk is in the king's guard in the future is literally true but not the way that um that damon thinks um <clears throat> so that would be kind of interesting yeah and daenerys's vision for the red wedding that is such a strange one um the basic theory on that one is that the reason Rob is not dead in that is that it's supposed to hint at Rob having the second life. But that's such a that is a really small catch for that. Like um, that is kind of like a oh neat kind of theory for why that would be in there. Like um, so the, basically the, the proof of it is that when Rob died, his last words were Jane, mother, Bray went. And because he's a warg and because Verimir Sixkins tells us that there's such a thing as called a second life, where essentially when you die, like you pop out, go into another animal and you live in it. Um, the idea is that Rob had a brief second life in Greywind. And um, because it says that after Rob died, that Greywind essentially went crazy in the kennels um, and they had to essentially kill him, which goes to the idea that Rob died twice at the Red Wedding, which is horrifying but it's also um it, it's mostly just another gut punch on it whereas if that's if that scene is meant to infer that rob will be coming back and that he's going to be resurrected um that he that the red wedding is not the end of him like it is for all of his other bannermen that would be kind of a a more productive use of of that kind of foreshadowing because a lot of people think that george has the entire story plotted out in his head and the hints that he puts in are basically they're put in with explicit purpose that this is going to mean that. And it often works the other way where George puts in a lot of ambiguous things. And then later he decides what they means. Um, so that, that vision of the red wedding is something that could definitely be repurposed for George. Um, actually that's one of his greatest talents as a writers is his, his method of working backwards is only as good as his ability to seamlessly essentially retcon things. And he's exceptionally good at retconning details to match the current story. Like that is one of his truly greatest talents as a writer. Yeah, it, it is. It is heartbreaking, but it's just kind of like, mm, OK, that sucks. The best way. I mean, the Varamir chapter already hints at John coming back because he said ghost as well when he died. So um, that John is likely in ghost at the moment. Rod comes back as a headless horseman. There you go. Um see here any uh, more says any theories of rot will rob will do if he's resurrected so i just kind of like the end of the, the the video i just said like maybe this will happen and this kind of left it to everybody to um kind of theorize themselves about what would happen what it would be like um what would he what his um his motivations be that's if i wanted to make a longer one i would have gone into it more but um, I think that one thing you can look at for if if there's a resurrected Rob Stark, what would he want? What is he going to try to do? 
Um, well, the first thing is that you can look at his last words before he died. So he said, Jane, mother, Greywind. Well, if Catelyn brings back Rob, Catelyn will be dead um, based on the the um, the example of Beric that to cat give up her life, that the cat could not give a first kiss without dying herself. OK, so cross that one off. Uh, next one, Greywind. All right. Well, it's pretty clear that Greywind is probably not coming back from the dead. Um, I doubt that may, if they have his body or his head at all, um, I I don't think that would be coming back, but maybe Rob would try and find it. Um, or uh, somebody made the suggestion that if, since the Boltons were involved and they talked about wolf pelts, maybe Roos or somebody has skinned Greywind and turned him into a cloak. Um, that would be something. Oh man. Another person telling me Rob's not coming back. Bummer. Oh shit. Like, okay. Good comment, I guess. Um, but the third one that's more interesting is, uh, is Jane. So Jane Westerling, his wife is still out in play. Um, it, I think George has said that she will be in the, uh, wins of winter prologue. Uh, she's currently on her way to, I believe she's on her way to Casterly rock. Um, she's being, she's being, um, moved by the Lannisters. Um, and there's been a lot of suggestions that, Jane will show back up again. So if you're talking about like um, if you're talking about like what his motivations will be, finding his wife, his wife, Jane Westerling, would probably be a pretty, um, pretty high in his list of priorities. It's literally one of his last thoughts. He And obviously their romance did not start out um, was not a fairy tale story. I mean, Rob was um, recovering from a wound and they had sex. And then I think she got pregnant, so Rob married her. But he does seem to have quite a lot of affection for her, despite the um, kind of shotgun wedding aspect of her of their relationship. Um, so finding Jane at this point would probably be pretty high on a on a resurrected Rob's like to do list. Find where she is, get her back, um, protect her from the Freys and the Lannisters, that kind of thing. And then after that, um, oh yeah, uh, Sybil Spicer is POV for the Winds of Winter prologues. He's guilty Undertaker. Another one that people have suggested is um, Ilan Payne, a the um, the mute headsman or the guy that has ton ripped out by uh, the Mad King. He would also be a good one for who's going to um, who's going to be escorting Jane Westerling. There's also the suggestion that there's going to be a wolf a pack attack that the Arya's direwolves and her giant wolf pack are going to attack. Um, but one way or another, Rob's going to want to find out where Jane is and what the role of Sybil Spicer in the Red Wedding was, basically. Um, so that would be high up there. Oh, uh, a PayPal from um, $5 from uh, Carmen uh, Campa Doctor. Uh, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Any hopes or predictions regarding the Blackfish and wins, possibly in relation to Brotherhood Without Banners or Stoneheart? So that is one of the big X factors for um, for Stoneheart and a resurrected Rob in the Winds of Winter, what would Blackfish think of all this? That could be one of the characters that has the most visceral re- visceral reaction to Lady Stoneheart. Um, oh, no possible way anyone could have known Jane was pregnant before he married her. I, I forget Rob's re- rationale. It was essentially like he didn't want to create a bastard, so he married her. I think that's how it went. Um, yeah, it was an honor thing. But Rob, Rob specific. Um, I think I'm getting it mixed up. But Rob specifically uh, makes the point that. He does not want to create a bastard. So even if she's not pregnant, he's marrying her now so that no matter what, um, no matter what, then um, that won't be a possibility. Uh, so Carmen says, uh, yeah, so the Blackfish with the Brotherhood Without Banners or Stoneheart. So the Blackfish is still out there. He has not been caught. He has not been killed like he was in the show. 
Um, it's very likely with Blackfish on the run at this point, after losing River Run back to the phrase and Jamie, that he may find himself interacting with the Brotherhood. It's surprising he hasn't already. Um, I think the inclination is that he's going to find his way to Jane Westerling. Um, but yeah, he could be the the POV that George uses as the most horror on what Catelyn has become at this point. Um, I would definitely like to see that. I think the interactions between uh, the uncle and the niece would be something really cool. Oh, uh, thank you for the uh, super chat. $10 from Let Me Be. Thank you, buddy. Really appreciate it. Um, for an undead Rob, I wonder if Blackfish, I mean, a lot of people have suggested that it will be Arya that will essentially put down Stoneheart in the end. But Blackfish is definitely out there as somebody that could not only put it, um, pull it off, but maybe um, someone that is motivated to do it seeing the essentially the monster that Stoneheart has become and what she's doing to the Riverlands. Of course, the other suggestion is it could go the complete other way. He joins her. He would be her best man, basically. Um, Blackfish would be really interesting. I but I mm, I could see the plot line where Blackfish joins Stoneheart or Rob, but I think he's definitely he would definitely see her more as a an abomination at this point and maybe take it upon herself to to end her at this point um kesavan says do you think Littlefinger and Lady Stoneheart will ever interact so that's one of the things that's really interesting is it's it seems pretty clear at some point the Vale Knights are going to have to go north um to Winterfell one way or another that the the show idea that the Vale Knights are going to defend against the White Walkers I think makes a lot of sense but to do that to do that there's there's two ways to get to the north from the Vale. You either take a bunch of boats and you land at the White Knife at White Harbor. I don't think they're going to do that one. The other way is you have to go through out through the bloody gates through the mountains of the moon and you have to head up through the neck and go that way to Winterfell. Um, so if Littlefinger does that and Stoneheart is still around at that point, that could be a really interesting way for, um, for Littlefinger to get his comeuppance. Um, there's also been suggestions that that perhaps at this proposed wedding, maybe Littlefinger would attend. Um, I don't know about that one, but I think there's definitely an easy way for George to have Stoneheart and Sansa and Littlefinger interact again and have because all Catelyn has at this point is time. All she has is the ability to reflect on her life and she's clearly looking at all the betrayals that have happened to her. And she's kind of like the wheels are turning. She's putting everything together. She's much more cynical than she was before. And I think she will probably have figured out Littlefinger's role in all of this. And I don't think it would go very well if um, if Stoneheart and Littlefinger interacted again, um, especially if this is like this is something that would come up that would be kind of interesting. They put this plot into the show where they had the idea that Arya was suspicious of Sansa for her role in the downfall of the Stark, specifically that letter she wrote. Um, so a lot of people thought that didn't that didn't make a lot of sense. And it kind of didn't. But it's also something that um, has not been addressed in the books yet, that Sansa hasn't um, answered to any members of her family for writing that and the effect it had on the Civil War. So Arya makes sense that she's very suspicious and maybe she would question Sansa's loyalty. But Stoneheart has gone so deep into betrayals and getting revenge on anybody that if she sees Sansa with Littlefinger and has put together Littlefinger's role, she may very well think she may question where Sansa's loyalties lie. And that may be where Sansa coughs up the information about Lysa and finally Kat in her head just kind of it all just clicks together. It's like. Oh, this was the last piece. Of course, this is what it was about. 
and gets her revenge on him. Um, so I think Stoneheart has a really strong chance of being the person that um, brings Littlefinger to account for his crimes. Sorry, Ramona. I know you love Littlefinger. He's one of your favorite characters, but uh, there's a good chance that they could interact and that would not go well for Littlefinger. <clears throat> Kat thinks Jane has good hips. She does. Hipgate. That's the fun one where people look at Kat thinking that Jane has good hips for being a mother and Jamie thinks that she doesn't. And it's like, huh? Uh, let's see here. Let's grab another question. Uh, Thomas Smithson on YouTube. Uh, they said, what gave you this idea? And what do you think about the idea that Rob's head is all able to bring back? He may be a talking head who gives counsel to one of the characters in the story. Um, so what gave me this idea? <clears throat> oh, I thought you loved Littlefinger. You had me do the stream on him. Hmm. Uh, so the the idea of Rob coming back from the dead is not a new idea, basically. Um, ever since Rob has been dead, <laughs> there's been suggestions that he may come back to life. Um, the Robert Strong theory is a way is a form of that theory, but it's mostly been a um, a plot of fan fiction. Rob coming back from the dead in some way is a very, very popular topic in A Song of Ice and Fire fan fiction. Um, so it's not like oh, I had this amazing lightning bolt to the head. It's like, oh, what if Rob could come back and nobody ever thought of that? That it, it's not that part is not um, an original idea. But the thing that got me going on it was uh, specifically that quote um, about Lem saying her her goals, that she wants her son alive or that she wants all of her, everyone that killed him dead. And it was this kind of, after reading Meat House Man and uh, reading Sand Kings, and kind of just like sort of turning it over in my head a lot. The, how much George loves resurrection and how much he loves resurrection to be horrifying. How much he really loves it to hurt the reader. That he doesn't want it to be um, something that you see coming because he, he. one of the ways he likes to hide his twists is he hides them behind the things you really don't want to happen. Um, it's, it's a very clever tactic. It's hard to see coming because you don't want to see it coming. So he's able to do that. Um, so I kind of took that quote and I just kind of started turning it over in my head. And this was when I was doing that stream with uh, Michelle Jaworski a couple months back. And I was just reading everything about Stoneheart and I was putting together all these quotes. And I was just like, why not? Why couldn't she do this? And the video itself is essentially um, me asking questions critically about like, well, could it happen? Why would it happen? Is she trying to do this? What would be the point? So if you watch back the video, you can see that's kind of a way you can um, you can interpret it. That that is me answering my own questions, my own skepticism about the idea. So it's like, OK, so is it possible? Yeah, it does seem possible. The whites and George's use of resurrection is really strange. Um, it's all over the place. So who knows? And it's like, well, where's his body? And so then I went through and I tracked down his body. I'm like, OK, so what happened to it? Whatever the phrase been saying afterwards, like all these other kind of things, how do they fit together? And then it was just like, well, does Stoneheart want to do it? And then I looked at the quotes and Merritt Frey's thing and Ryman Frey and the crown and all that stuff. And it's like, it's essentially me convincing myself. That's the theory. Um, that's how a lot of them work, actually. If you want to look at like the, the through line of a lot of my theory videos, the points I bring up are the skeptical points I, I ask myself about an idea. Like, I don't know. That doesn't seem... There has to be like a whole lot of reasons for it anyway. Um, and what do you think about the idea that Rob's head is all that we'll be able to bring back? So that's the suggestion from the whispers. Um, and there's a quite a lot of other very, very weird things going on in the song of ice and fire 
with um, undead heads. Um, so there, it's been sort of a lingering thing. A lot of people have thought that it would um, it might be Ned that they made the point of like, oh, everything about this, which would uh, apply to Ned as well. And yeah, it would. Um, although I think Ned is literally just bones at this point. Um, they boiled all the flesh off his bones. But they, there's this undercurrent in a lot of very different places than a song of ice and fire the idea of an undead head that can speak um that's literally what the the faces of the house of black and white are um when aria puts on the face of the ugly little girl she she sees and feels the girl's memories so in a very direct way the house of black and white is the whispers it is a bunch of heads that can talk still but you have to um but you have to do the whole thing to become them, but they are, they are still there. The people, the personalities and the memories are somehow trapped within those faces in the house of black and white. So it's like, maybe it's more literal. Maybe like that would be pretty horrifying if there was just a, a talking head of Rob, it would be, it'd be actually kind of comical. I don't know how you would use it, but um, I think it's, it's definitely a possibility. Um, uh, let's see here. Let's grab some more questions. It's <clears throat> going a full Futurama. Yeah. I wonder if he has seen Futurama. I doubt it. I, I don't think he watches a lot of actually. He does like weird shit. Maybe he has. Maybe he's seen Futurama. Um, <laughs> yeah, waking up only as a rotting head. Well, that would be a nightmare. That would be the worst. Um, the body, the body and head together would be the best narrative way to do it. Um, I get. I, I I don't really see the the problem with sewing the head back on and then resurrecting him. Like, why not? It's the sort of this idea. I think it comes from like video games or something that when you cut somebody's head off, that's the end of it, no matter if they're a zombie or whatever. Um, and it's like something about severing the spine is specifically that's that's a bridge too far. I don't quite understand that. It's not like it's not like the spine or the nerves or anything are are working in the sense we understand them. And like when Thoros comes back to life from being cut in half by Sandor, like his body essentially just like zips itself back right back up. So I, I don't see that as a, uh, as a quite the, the hindrance that others do. Um, I mean, again, with the idea of Frankenstein, if it works for Frankenstein, George can make it happen. It's all made up magic anyway. Um, let's see here talking heads and Harry Potter. Oh yeah, that's true. Um, didn't Bran experience a previous person who skin changed a Raven's memories? Yes, he did. Varamir does as well. He has a sort of absorbed his um his mentor, and he's also absorbed um Orel the the uh the warg who or the skin changer with the eagle. So yeah, totally. I think it's I think it's very much on the table. <clears throat> um from YouTube, uh Craigery says it occurs to me there's a precedent revolving body preservation. Maester Eamon's body is currently preserved in a cask of rum. Maybe Walder Frey did the same to Rob's body to mock the Stark funeral customs. There's also a suggestion that maybe they used salt or some other kind of preservation. That could be totally true. I think the one that would be, I mean, I've talked about bog bodies before. That would be kind of the coolest one. If like, if Rob is just underneath the water of a bog and nothing um, and essentially has not rotted, that is definitely a way that bodies end up for long periods of time without rotting. Um, should make more videos. Not everyone could watch streams. Videos take a long, long, long more time to make. Um, I can I think for the last video, I put something like, I don't know, maybe something like 30 hours into it, maybe more. Whereas I, a stream takes me four or something like that, like usually like two hours of 
making making up the the outline preparing and then the actual doing the stream so it's it's not a one-to-one the fact that i that i do streams does not mean i would be releasing a video in place of it like the 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 time scales and the effort between them are vast vastly different so i'm sorry um sorry you feel that way but you are not missing on anything because i do these uh let me grab another question um uh, from guilty undertake uh said on patreon or the patron slack the use of strangulation in conjunction with the resurrected dead is a recurring motif whether it's will being throttled by the recently whited waymar royce the white attempting to strangle john or the use of hanging as the stone heart led the brotherhood without banners uh go to execution method um do you think george is getting at something deeper here or does he have a thing being strangled in a horrifying way to die um so i think he really for some reason likes the motif of strangling that he i think he thinks it's a particularly brutal way for the dead to happen i mean for <clears throat> for resurrect for an execution to happen like i think one of the most famous examples of him using uh hanging as the method method of execution is from uh john snow when he um when he's gonna kill james slint in the preview chapter for i think he read it at a convention somewhere um he initially had it that john was going to hang slint from the wall he called for a really long rope and he was going to do it that way but then uh people got in touch with him this was back when he answered his emails and um you know he was much less famous they said no 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 no, no. george the starks cut people's heads off and he, and he went oh yeah that's true and so he changed it so that john beheaded you know uh, jano slint um so I think I think George just has a preference for using hanging as a particularly gruesome and and, sp- and specifically a painful method of death. Um, not really sure why. I would have to go back and look a little bit more. Like, is this a, something he does in his other works or is it just something from A Song of Ice and Fire? But yeah, I think he just enjoys using that one and it's easy to do. It's easy to write. Um, also, because hangings used to be like just like a big part of public consciousness, like going to see the hangings was like what passed for entertainment in some communities for quite a long time. The hanging of criminals, like the entire town would come out and watch. Um, so it's something that's kind of left our culture at this point. We don't hangings aren't really a thing anymore, um, at least in like specifically um, state justice that kind of thing i mean obviously they still do happen but um it's much less a public consciousness thing so it kind of sticks out now but in the olden times i mean throwing a rope over a tree branch is one of the easiest ways to kill people uh, let's see here good question though uh eric f he asked uh is there any chance that a revive rob and john would actually battle over winterfell rather than on the wall John was planning head to Winterfell when assassinated and would be presumably returned to that mission. So this is another really uh, interesting consequence of a resurrected Rob. And that is that he probably would still see himself as a as the king in the north. I don't think that would have gone away because he came back from the dead. Um, he would probably and especially that he he would know that the Boltons are in Winterfell. I talked about Jane Westerling being one thing he would definitely go after, but definitely revenge on the Boltons would be next up on the list to reclaim the North for the Starks. Um, so the idea that Rob and John could have conflict again, I think is one of the high points, uh, one of the high drama points other than like uh, Theon in particular. Rob and John have a lot of history. John thinks about him a lot. He dreams about him a lot. Um, so the idea that the two of them both coming back from the dead it also kind of parallels, it continues the parallels in their life. 
um, until Ra- until John went to the wall, they were basically equals throughout their entire life, except for um, the difference in social strata, I guess. And uh, John almost leaves the watch to go help him to go join Rob's army to be his right hand man. And it's event essentially the other brothers of the Night's Watch can conv- find him and convince him not to do it. Also, Ghost, the Ghost helps without that. But the the way that George has had resurrection change Barrack and Stoneheart so much. That's one of the things that um that is most interesting about John coming back in the future. It's the idea that he would come back feral, that he would come back different, um, that he would come back angry, that kind of thing. And the same sort of thing could be on the the table for Rob. And they had they have had lots of conflict um, throughout their life, specifically about Rob being the king of Winterfell or the lord of Winterfell in the future and John not being able to. Like the memory of of Rob telling John, you can never be the Lord of Winterfell because you're a bastard is the thing that makes John essentially flash white with rage and almost kill Iron Emmett. Like he breaks his um his shield and all that stuff. So there is lingering conflict between the two. That would be um, something that would probably be very juicy for George to have on the page. Uh, can Fire Whites have children? Uh this is this is another one of those questions of it's just magic, but it's also like a practical question. <laughs> and they have kids. I'm going to take a cop out and say if George wants them to. Yes. Oh, we hit 216 likes. Oh, shit. I didn't do anything. Um, um. so I don't have a script ready for the next video. I'm still reading the book about it. Ooh, oh, yes. The next the next video coming out is about a book, a book I am reading for the first time. So um, yes, that's a hint. I can't tell you what it is. Cause it's super secret. Um, hmm. What could I do for 200 likes? Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't have a lot. Um, we're doing more thousand worlds. We are not doing the thousand worlds. <laughs> what could we do? Hmm. Good, good question me. Um, I don't know. What do you guys wear both hats? I don't think that would work. We could sing. I, I don't have a good singing. Um, would that even work? Let's, let's give this a shot. <laughs> I just, this doesn't look very good. Sing Jenny's song. Um, Sand King's content was really cool. Loads of, yeah, Thousand World stuff is really good. George is a great writer and not just about a song of ice and fire. Um, yeah, people in the chat are bringing up a good point that hanging is a particularly gruesome um, way of dying. It is painful. Um, Atception. There we go. <laughs> 200 likes. That looks ridiculous. <laughs> I don't know. I'll think of something for next time. Um, well, thank you for slamming 200 likes. Um, I can't give it away what I'm doing next. It's going to be a surprise. So unfortunately, I cannot. Um, I can talk about. Oh, actually, that's a good point. Um, Egret Targaryen says give away 216 shirts. We'll give away a shirt. Uh, give away a shirt to my Threadless shop. Let me pull this up. Um, turn on. Damn you. There we go. Uh, so we have the spooky magician shirt, <laughs> the old logo, the new logo. Uh, me with the hat stylized me, just the hat. And of course the ass waffle. So if you want a chance to, um, win a t-shirt from my threadless shop, uh, go down and leave a comment on the video telling me, um, let's see here. Who do you think will kill lady Stoneheart? Put that in a comment on the video, um, and put in, yeah, to answer that question. Um, I'll pick somebody from the comments and I will give you a, uh, free shirt from my threadless shop. Um, actually I'll give you a code so you can go buy one, but that's what we'll do. Yeah. So waffle kills me. That's waffle is really good. Um, so yeah, that's what we'll do. Go leave a comment. 
not in the not in the chat here. Go to the video underneath and write the and write a comment saying who do you think will kill Lady Stoneheart? And I'll pick somebody random from the chat and you'll get a free t-shirt for 200 likes. Thank you guys very much. Um, any, we only got a few minutes left here. So uh, any questions I haven't gotten to that I missed, um, throw them in the chat. I'm going to see what else I got on my uh, my big list of questions. I'll see if we can answer. We'll, tr- we'll do a rapid fire lightning round here. Lightning Lord round. <laughs> not Not in the chat. Put it underneath the video, put it underneath the stream. And um, that's how we'll do it. If it helps, you can say it's for a T-shirt or for the giveaway, whatever. Um, so Eric asked um, a something going on a little bit further. Uh, they said, is there going to be a companion video setting forth more explicitly the steps uh, to Rob becoming the king of the others, which I touched on briefly? How we go from resurrecting to attacking humanity? Um, I might. I don't know. I, that was this more like... Um, uh, uh, like connective tissue for it, that there's weird parallels between a resurrected Rob and the Night King story. Um, I mean, there's obviously some with John. I mean, the the Night's Queen story lines up pretty well with John and Egret, but there's also strange connections between. Um, you can't comment under the stream. Um, you should be able to. Hang on a second. Let me find it. Let me open the stream up. Oh no, I'm gonna hear myself. No. Um. If you hide the chat and you scroll down, oh, wait, people leave comments on my streams before they before they go live. Did I just mess everybody up? Did I screw you guys up? Can you not leave a comment down there? Um, huh. Well, that makes it tough. I guess you'll have to wait until the stream's over and then uh, go down there and, and leave a comment. Um, huh. I guess while it's live, you can't. That's really strange. YouTube, what the hell? <laughs> Why is that the way you design your system? Okay, yeah, when it's over, go leave the comments. Um, so it will be over in a few minutes, so that'll be it. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't have a real like strong feeling of how that would happen. Like, um, like how would Rob end up joining the others or how do you end up supporting them? Um, it, it just feels like there's a thematic resonance there that could be exploited. Um, I would be interested to see it. Like the idea of a betrayer of humanity sort of thing is um, that that's kind of I don't know. It, it's sort of like also with Euron, like the idea of Euron becoming like the new Night King or joining the others. That's not really an idea that's explored in detail, like the exact steps of how he does it, that kind of thing. Um, so same kind of thing for Rob. It, it just seems like it's an idea that could happen. Um, I don't know how George would do it, but he's much more creative than I am. Uh, let's see here. Any last questions? Uh, Doran Dame, do you think Arya sparing the women of House Frey in episode 701 translate to Lee Stoneheart's Red Wedding 2.0 to the books? Or is he judge everyone named Frey guilty and marked for death? I think Arya's killing of the phrase was taken from the Red Wedding 2.0. I think that is the show version of that event. That is that seems to be the one thing they preserve from the Stoneheart story. And they gave to Arya because it makes sense that she's a um, an assassin. Um, I don't know what Stoneheart would think about the Frey women. Um, she seems to hate everybody at this point. So I don't know if she would make exceptions if she killed everybody at the Red Wedding 2.0. But um, but I definitely think that that whole scene, like not how it will happen. Like, obviously, they also gave her the Frey pride. For a pie scene, they gave they had Walter being served his sons or grandsons in a pie by Arya. That's obviously from Lord Manderly, so they borrowed that. So I think the Arya killing all the phrase is borrowed from Stoneheart. Um, do I think Rhaegar Frey is Rhaegar Targaryen being reincarnated? No. Do you think the Littlefinger will take the winds of, take the throne in the winds of winter? No, Littlefinger will probably die in the winds of winter. Um, where's the link for the book giveaway? Let me grab it right here. Um, there you go, sweet Melissa, Melissa. Uh, that's the link to the the giveaway for the book. 
Oh, it was Michael Buckley on YouTube that made the comment about the Boltons maybe um, skinning Gray when and turning into a cloak. Maybe that's something that um, the phrase have done. Maybe Walder will have a gray wind cloak or something like that. That would be fucked up. Um, oh, there's there's one uh, there's one point I wanted to make that I didn't really explain too well in the video. But there's an uh, there's an idea that I use for theories and it has. And I, I, I don't know if there's an exact word for it, but I consider it like um, the 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 idea of how close or um, the proximity of hints to the thing you're talking about, like all the hints about the undead coming back to life, the whispers, the head coming back to life, um, all that other kind of stuff is in Brienne's chapter. And then it's Brienne's chapter that we meet Stoneheart. And it's through her that we're, we're told all the stuff of how she came back to life, all this stuff about um, what she wants from Lem Lemon Cloak. So I think it's important to pay attention when you're talking about when you're making theories are you pulling from like really, really scattered places from across all the books or is the main thrust of what you're talking about, like contained within a few chapters near each other? Um, like one thing that is often overlooked with the ordering of the chapters is that George often uses the chapters before and after as a as a way of um, talking about what's in that store in that particular chapter. Like they um, they relate to each other in ways so. There should be kind of a, a proximity a hint, I guess, to what you're talking about. Um, and that's something that I find so interesting about Undead Rob is that so much of it is coming through Brienne and Jamie, and um, but mostly Brienne, and that she also has the stories of the whispers and all this other kind of stuff. So let's see here. Any last questions before we go? And then obviously, if you guys want to win a T-shirt after the video ends, go into the comments and tell me how you think Lady Stoneheart will die. Um, uh, Pedro says, do you think the blackfish will die in the winds of winter? I hope not, but there's going to be a lot of people dying in the winds of winter. Um, he really has to condense the characters and plot lines to come to an ending within two books. So there's going to be a lot of people in the riverlands in the North that are going to, they're going to bite it. Basically they're going to, they're going to be deadsies. Um, uh, still thousands of Northmen in the riverlands. Yes, there are a lot of them will probably end up dying soon. Uh, do you think Rob and young Griff will have a similar end? Uh, Rob and young Griff have really parallel stories. And one of the things that suggests that I think that um, young Griff will end up entangled. So it were with, um, with Ariane Martel is that that's essentially what was the downfall for Rob. It was the marrying of Jane Westerling that opened the opportunity for Tywin to exploit the phrase in order to use them in the Boltons to orchestrate the red wedding to end his rebellion. So young Griff making a similar kind of young King's mistake where he gets entrapped by with a woman that he probably shouldn't when he should be saving himself for a particular for a political marriage uh, could be one of the things that definitely leads to the downfall of young Griff. Uh, oh, thank you for the follow young villain P-Mam. Uh, what Lady Stoneheart will do with Jamie? Um, well, I think she's going to use him to try and get into the um, the Frey Lannister wedding. I think that's the reason that she wants him captured and not just dead. And then um, I imagine that if the Red Wedding 2.0 happens, that Stoneheart is going to make Jamie watch. Um, like Jenna Lannister is going to be there. His coven, his cousin Devin Lannister is going to be there. Davin Lannister, I'm sorry. Um, you know, she wants a lot of revenge on Rob Stark. I mean, on uh, Jamie Lannister. So. I wouldn't be surprised if Jamie is one of the POVs on the Red Wedding 2.0. Brienne and Jamie. Those could be really awful. 
is there anything that happens in the show that could be a clue to a resurrected Rob will do? Um, no, not really. They they cut so much of Stoneheart's plot line. They skipped most of the stuff about Euron. So this is really um, this is really open ended for what's going to happen with the Riverlands and the Winds of Winter. Um, who's condemned condemned by foreshadowing to die first in the Winds of Winter? Um, there will be people dying in the prologue. Um, if it's going to feature Jane Westerling, I assume people are going to die. Uh, one way or another, people are going to try and secure the former queen in the north. Um, so either the, the wolves attacking or the brother without banners attacking. Like, that's one of the things that scares me about uh, Jane Westerling going into the winds of winter. What if the Brotherhood and Stoneheart gets a hold of her? Like, Callan already doesn't like Jane. She didn't like her when she was alive. I don't know what she thinks of her now. Um, so probably everyone that's with Jane Westerling on her way to the Westerlands probably marked for death. All right. I think that's about it. Um, again, I'm going to leave the link to the uh, A Storm of Swords Illustrated Edition uh, giveaway right here in the chat, uh, the gleam.io. Uh, there's just a bunch of random things you have to go do to enter. It'll last the month. I'll pick a random winner. And if you want a free shirt from my threadless shop um, after the video is over, go into the comments and tell me how you think or who you think will kill Lady Stoneheart or if she will die at all. Um, I think I'm hoping that her giving Rob the last kiss and that killing her will be a popular one. But, you know, there's a lot of other possibilities. It's a it's a fun, fertile theory ground. So thanks, everybody, for showing up, for slamming the like button, um, especially for all the new folks that you came in since I released my video. I'll be back. This coming Saturday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Eastern Daylight Time, I'm sorry. Um, same time, same place. Uh, I don't know the topic yet, but, you know, we'll figure it out.